Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Call to Be podcast. I'm Dr. Travis Guzzi. I'm a pastor as well as an ICF certified life and executive coach and a Gallup Strengths coach. And it's great to have all of our listening and viewing audience with us today. Today, we have a special guest who is with us for our Everyday Believer conversation, in which we talk to everyday believers doing extraordinary things in the kingdom. I want to welcome live in studio, Becky Wade. Becky, welcome to the Call to Be podcast. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. And uh, basically, what we're going to be doing in this conversation for everyday believers is talking with Becky about your work with uh, the community of faith in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, how you all, all are seeking to love and serve your community, to to meet the needs of, of your neighbors who are right around the church and in the larger Richmond area. And uh, for me, I, I really think this is really an important conversation uh, for our listening and viewing audience because it, it's an opportunity to see an example uh, of how everyday believers are living out their calling and love and service, to see how churches can have an impact. And so I really want to thank you, and I think this is going to be a uh, a great conversation to our audience today. Uh, Becky, where I'd like to start today is, um, first of all, just find out a little bit about you, um, your your life and faith background, and, and what's led you up to where you are today. Okay. Um, so I am 38 years old. I am from Chesterfield County, Virginia. Um, I have one daughter. She's 14 years old, and we attend Redeemer Lutheran Church in North Chesterfield. Um, I actually grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Okay. And the first time I really felt God calling me to service uh, was when I was about 13 years old. And we went on a mission trip to uh, New Orleans. Oh, and wonderful. we spent a week working in one of the worst um, and lowest income projects in New Orleans. Okay. Uh, we did a. Was, was, this was before Hurricane Katrina and all that. This was, right? Yeah, this was before Katrina. Um, this was back. Oh, I was in seventh grade. So it was a while ago. Okay. Um, but yes, pre-Katrina. And um, we set up a VBS there and we spent a week just working with these kids that mm. lived in this project. Um, and I just remember coming home and I knew that something had changed and that mm. had changed my life. Um, so I can look back and I can really point my finger that that was kind that of was where the moment, it started. Right, right. Yeah. And so it sounds like you had an experience of be loving and serving people in, in a very impactful way. And it, yeah. it seemed to, you, you sense God's call on your life to do that. Yeah. And, um, as a 13 year old girl, you know, the world revolves around you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, my daughter, she's in that stage right now and we fight tooth and nail against it, but you know, trying to keep her humble and keep her in service, um, to, to remind her that the world is bigger. Um, yeah. cause that's really what that experience did for me. It, it re- made me realize that the world is a lot bigger than just me and my, my problems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I've had some experiences where I've gone overseas and, and done some mission trips, um, and and also as well as some things here. But it was especially the overseas experiences for me. Went to Nias, Indonesia after the tsunami. Uh, went to South Africa and wor- worked at an AIDS orphanage. And I know that both of those experiences for me, um, I came back home and it, and I just saw the world different um, when you see incredible need. I mean, like in Nias, I mean, here's you know, not only a third world, but but disaster zone with a tsunami, with a major earthquake that happened on the island a number of months later. Um, every, anything two stories and above collapsed on the island. And here's these orphan kids, and they're they're happy, and they're loving life. And they've got, like, you know, playing with plastic bottles for toys and one one pair of clothes, maybe a second if it's, you know, they're, they're really blessed. Um, and, and I come back home to a 4th of July picnic, and I see all this food around me, and, and I'm just sitting here feeling undeserving of what I had. And it really kind of reorients your life of realizing we have so much abundance and we're so unhappy. And here's 
kids and, and people who have so little, and yet they, they're teaching me about what Thanksgiving and blessing is all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to say that I came home and God took my life and I just ran with it until I came to Redeemer. Um, but that wasn't the journey that God had chosen for me. Yeah. Um, I went to college and when I was in college, I was a religion major and I decided at that point I had been in church all of my life. Right. And if I was really going to embrace faith, if I was really going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, then I needed my faith to be more than an heirloom that was passed down from my family. Right, right. Um, so during those college years, I was able to explore um, Islam and I, I explored Buddhism and Taoism. Um, and I just I, I kind of took that time to just check the rest of the, the world out. Right, right. Um, because I knew I needed to, I needed to believe in something. I needed to right. plant my feet somewhere, uh, but I wanted to make sure that I was planting my feet where where I believed, and it wasn't just something that my parents had taught me that this is what we do. Right, right, right. Um, so I did that, and God is faithful, and He's good, and He was able to handle my questions. And I tell my daughter all the time, I say, you know, if we really believe that God created everything around us and us, He can handle your doubt. He can yeah, handle yeah, yeah. your questions. So ask Him. Yeah. yeah. Ask me. If I don't know, I'll find somebody that can answer your questions. Right, right, yeah. God, um, God's big enough for our doubts and our questions. He can handle yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was able to have that time to ask those questions. Um, and, and it made my faith become mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my relationship with Christ became my relationship. It wasn't just an obligation or, or this is what my family's always done. So this is what I do. Yeah. 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 And, and and so what, uh, what, what led you to connect to Redeemer Lutheran there in Richmond, uh, where you're doing this ministry through? So, um, I actually live about two miles from the church and I had driven past the church all my life. Um, and I was invited on Christmas Eve by one of the members and my family and I hadn't been to church. Uh, we had had two pretty bad experiences at the last two churches we had been to. Um, and so she said, well, it's Christmas Eve. You should be at church anyway. So we went and it felt like home. Um, it just, it felt like coming home. So within six months we joined. Um, and within two years, uh, pastor Matt Bean had hired me. Okay. Um, so I went on as the part-time coordinator for community engagement. Um, right, right. At the time, I was a full-time nanny, so I wasn't doing anything um, in ministry. But it was really then that I, I was able to look back at that 13-year-old girl experience. And yes, those needs are out there. Like you said, they're all over the world. Yep. Um, but I had the opportunity and the invitation to be part of ministering to my home. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there was no need to get on a plane and, and fly across the country or, or fly across the world because the need is right there. It's yeah. literally sitting in your backyard. Yeah. Um, and God really put that on my heart. And that's that was really the mission that Redeemer was after. And they aligned perfectly. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, again, while overseas can be great to open our eyes to situations or a mission trip down to, to New Orleans. But, but you know, there, there's a call, there's need right in our own backyards, Absolutely. in our own communities. Um, so, Becky, uh, you, you got hired by Redeemer, uh, started working with uh, community engagement and outreach. Um, what led to the, the Center of Faith uh, starting and, and what's its background? What's its mission? So we had been doing what we called building a community-based church for uh, about 10 years. Uh, Redeemer actually sits in a very densely populated area. And uh, the best guess that we have is that between 70 and 75% of the people around Redeemer rarely, if ever, go to church. Right. 
Um, so we, we had been working, we do free events, we fed people, we invited people. Um, and it, it was really going well. Uh, people were coming to our events. We were engaging. We were we had plans to do some more things that we had never done, and then March of 2020 and COVID. Yes. Um, so when your entire job is bringing people together, and, and all of a can't. sudden, right, everyone says you can't. You have to you have to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. Um. So, um, Pastor Matt and I sat down and we decided that ten years in this community doing intentional ministry, building intentional relationships, this was not the time for us to go silent. Yeah. This was not the time for us to so withdraw. So instead of backing away, to lean into it. We yes, that was we absolutely we needed to lean in, but we couldn't lean in in the ways that we had always done. Um. So one of the things that had kind of been on the five year plan. Um, was this idea of what we call the center of faith. Hmm. Um, and we realized that by having movie nights and hosting big Halloween events and big Easter events, we were feeding one need, but there was also several needs that we had been missing. Um, hmm. And those. And what kind of needs were those? So those are the material needs. of. I mean, at that point, the material needs were larger than they'd ever been. Food, clothing. Um, we also realized there's a lot of emotional and spiritual needs. So the Center of Faith actually exists to meet the physical, material, spiritual, and mm. emotional needs, um, specifically of the five-mile radius surrounding Redeemer. Um, and as we get into the story a little bit more, we found that five miles is just where we're marketing. Right. But the reach is already much, much further. Yeah. Um, so there was myself and two other volunteers, and we sat down and we said, okay, we got to figure out how to do this. Uh, because in the very beginning of COVID, we didn't even want to be together. Right, right, right. So we had to figure out how are we going to bring all this together? We didn't want to go in grocery stores to get the food. Um, Redeemer has had a food bank for about 35 years. Mm. Uh, at the time, they were serving between seven and nine families a month. We we launched, quote, quote, the Center of Faith in uh, the end of March of 2020. And by December of 2020, we were feeding about 150 people a week. Wow. What, what, what do you think was behind that jump from seven to nine people um, to, to 150 a week? Um, what what? what do you think it was the need that you were able to meet? So I think the the first change obviously was just the economic um, stance of the of the community. Uh, the community that we're in is is typically the people that are last ones hired, first ones fired. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so so when all the, the things were shutting down, people, people were being were laid off, job. service industry mm-hmm. and all that. Absolutely, absolutely. So the need definitely grew. Um, we even saw some school teachers mm-hmm. that that came to us uh, because they for whatever reason, they weren't able to continue teaching or they chose not to. Um, so we were able to, to help step in there. Right. Right. Um, so I think that was the first thing. I think the second thing was marketing. Uh, people didn't even know that we were, that we had a food bank. They didn't know that we were there to offer that kind of a service. Um, so that was definitely the second piece of, of what made that really, really explode. It was, you know, right time, right circumstances. And it just, it just grew. So, so when people came to you, what did that look like um, as they came to Redeemer um, to, to get some groceries and, and food? What was that whole mechanism looking like? So what we did was we took the menu of items that we had always given out at the food bank 
and we kind of condensed it. So we made sure that we had three different kinds of bags. So you have three different offerings and each bag is enough to serve about two people for one to two meals. Mm. Um, so we, we had those items. We decided what would go in each bag and then we went on the hunt to find those items. Right. And uh, supply shortage is still a thing that we're dealing with. Right. Um, and in the beginning it was really an issue because, you know, there was limited quantities of things. And unfortunately the things that we wanted and the things that we needed were the things that there was limited. So it wasn't quantity. just hand sanitizer and toilet no, paper. No, 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 no. Um, it was, it was a lot more. And I remember one week we got our hands on a case of toilet paper and you would have thought that the three of us had just struck gold. <laughs> um, cause we were dancing around putting a roll of toilet paper in each bag and, it was it was those small victories, you know, the right. celebrations that, that the three of us and, and and yet very real needs for exactly. those that you were serving. Um, at one point, we were only able to get our hands on gallon size containers of hand sanitizer. <laughs> so we ordered tiny little spray bottles off of Amazon, and the three of us sat in the Fellowship Hall at Redeemer with tiny little funnels filling these hand sanitizer uh, spray bottles, but. You know, in in May and June and July of the pandemic, that was that was what people really wanted. Right, right. Um, so that was that was another small victory, but it was it was really exciting for us to, yeah. to get there. Yeah, yeah. So so as um, the the this um, uh, center of faith developed and and people were coming through, and you actually had a drive through, right? Right. The whole thing is, was set up as drive through, um, and it still is. We still do everything drive through. So people simply pull up. We have a volunteer go out to their car greet them, you know, welcome them. And then what they get is based on how many people are in their family. So generally it's one bag per two people. Um, so you just find out how many people they're picking up food for. And then we have a large cart that's just full of bags. And then we just so grab a bag, grab a bag, drop it, off, drop it off and, and drive away. Um, we began putting the portals of prayer in each bag. Um, and for a while we were actually able to keep up and each bag had a Bible verse on it. Oh, nice. Um, so it was very quiet, subtle ways, uh, for people to, to meet with Christ there as well. Um, we had a couple people come through and say, you know, will you pray with me? Mm -hmm. Um, we had one lady that came by and she said, I need, uh, nine bags of food. And she said, I'm actually a traveling nurse and mm. I'm staying at this hotel up here. And we had left some flyers. And she said there were several people standing in the lobby that need food, but they oh. were too embarrassed to come. Yeah. She said, so I'm not. She said, so she had her SUV. She said, I'm just going to take food back for everyone. So it wasn't just meeting needs. You're also empowering others to go love Absolutely. and serve as well. That's Absolutely. Cool. It was, it was amazing. Now you moved beyond just uh, bags of food as they drove through. Yes. You also started doing other, uh, meeting other needs. Right. Exactly. So then we began a closed closet um, in August of 2020. And that's a little bit trickier um, in, in COVID than, than food. Right. Um, so what we do is we have the hallways of the church actually lined with clothes once a month. And then our volunteers go out to the cars just like they do with the food and they find out size, gender, age, um, and they come back in and they basically assemble a bag of clothing mm. for whatever the need was. Um, that's not the best way to do it. So we're still kind of working on tweaking that process. That right. hasn't had the same effect and that hasn't really taken off. Um, but again, working within the within the limitations that we have. Yeah. 
in, in a lot can. of ways, it sounds like what you all have been doing is uh, building an airplane in flight. Um, exactly. We've been walking and running at the exact same time. <laughs> and it's, it's been it's been quite an experience. Yeah. So as you've done that, what what have been the, the opportunities as well as the challenges that as you've gotten this ministry up and running since the pandemic started that you all have had to face? So one of the greatest opportunities I think that's come out of this is we have been able to partner with a network in Richmond that actually ministers directly to the unsheltered and those that are at risk for losing shelter. Um, it's a it's a large network. They are not even a, a, a nonprofit organization. It's basically just a bunch of people that have a heart for this, and they've developed a huge network. Um, and we've actually been able to step into that. Hmm. So things that have been donated to us that we couldn't use, we've passed on to them. Um, at one point, we had a partnership with another nonprofit in Richmond that actually worked with Entman's Bakery. And they would come and they would just drop off boxes of, of mm-hmm. donuts and pastries and bread. And right. um, a lot of times we didn't have enough people to give it out to. Um, so we would call someone in this network and they would show up with a truck and they would just take whatever we had. Um, and there's when you start working with unsheltered um, kind of tent communities, there's there's a lot of there's a lot more physical danger in going in. Right. Um, so they handle all of that. But the materials that we have are still being able to be given out to another um, group of people that are definitely in need of, of those resources. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like um, some some partnerships have formed. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's not just you going out to try to get donations, but it sounds like people are recognizing the good you all are doing, mm-hmm. and they're coming and they're partnering with you in in helping you fulfill your mission. Exactly, and that's, that's where we are right now. Um, Pastor Matt and I have kind of, we've gotten our story together, and we're, we're going out now on the road, so to speak, to tell our story. Um, because the unique thing about the Center of Faith is we never designed it, we never imagined it as being Redeemer Lutheran Church. That's not how we ever imagined it. Um, we imagine a conglomerate of you know, ecumenical in scope. Uh, we met with a, with a uh, local Catholic church a couple weeks ago, and we've actually met with a local non-denominational school. Um, so what we really want to do is we really want to bring the community together around mm. this mission. Um, not just to pull our resources, but you asked me about challenges. One of the big challenges we have is marketing. Right. You know, people that actually meet the demographic that have some of the needs that we're offering services um, and goods to, uh, they don't necessarily go on social media. Right. Um, you know, they might not have a smartphone where they can look up local food pantries. So trying to really get the word out to yeah. people where the need is the greatest is a really big challenge for us. Yeah. I mean, if, if you've got a family that unfortunately because of their circumstances might be living in their car and they can't afford to pay their, their mm-hmm. cell phone or living in a hotel. Uh, and I know that sometimes there, there are some hotels that kind of cater to long-term stays like that for mm-hmm. families in need. And uh, you know, how, how do you get the word out that we're here? Well, and we we actually are positioned less than a mile from one of those hotels that that uh, caters to people for an extended period of time. Right. Um, one of the, the really neat things that happened was um, there's a young lady that's been working with Redeemer for about seven years. It started, she, um, she was in her early 20s. She had four children and she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on our Christmas giving tree and sh- her children go to the local elementary school. And over time, we've really developed a 
good relationship with her. Right. So she ended up being the manager of a local restaurant. Okay. And she called us and she said, hey, look, I've got two employees that are living out of their car. I'm trying to set up my own kind of pantry, free pantry in the back. Yeah. Is there any way that I could come to you guys and get food for this pantry? Mm. So we were able to do that. We were able to get some um, some personal hygiene items and help stock that. So we have no idea who those people were, um, but the Center of Faith was able to reach, and we were we were able to minister to those people in the name of Jesus. That's awesome. That's great, great. Um, so, so Becky, um, th- this is what you're doing now currently. What what is the vision for the Center of Faith moving forward? You talked about wanting to expand, make this. Uh, ecumenical, where we could gather around word and service kind of ministry, but but where do you see it going from here? So we have a big grand plan, so to speak. Um, but you know, our primary goal right now is to get partners in with us um, to help solve problems like uh, shortages. We cannot get our hands on jelly. So the only way mm. we can get jelly, oh, we've got peanut butter, I've got bread, I don't have any jelly. The only way we can get our hands on jelly is that people individually go and buy five, ten jars of jelly and, and bring it to us. So getting partners in so that there are other outlets for, you know, it's not just the Redeemer congregation trying to go out and buy as much jelly as they can get their hands on. Um, and there's several other items. I just use jelly as an right. example. I, I just never knew that jelly was in short demand right now. Neither did I. I've learned a lot. Um, so that's, that's one of the things. The other thing is we're running out of space. Mm. Um, so as we get these partners in, um, you know, we need, we need to get the funding together to, to get a, a larger space. Yeah. Um, we are also right now in the process of becoming a designated agent by Feedmore. Okay. And what's, what's Feedmore? So Feedmore is actually the large food bank service in the Richmond area. Um, that would actually help us a lot financially. Um, and it would also expand our offerings. So Mm. right now we're, we're ordering from grocery stores. We're going, we're picking up, you know, just pallets of food, um, but we're, we're having to pay for it. Right. So when you become an agent for Feedmore, it actually gives us the opportunity to go to their warehouse and we can get things that are reduced cost, or we can go to a grocery store and get things that are reduced cost. That's good. Um, it also would give us the opportunity to do produce, dairy products, meat, cheese, things like that. Um, so that's that's really the the big thing right now um, is just expanding and and having space to expand and getting those partners together so that this thing can actually become what it was what it was envisioned to right, be. Right, right, right. Um, I would say the the second thing is that we're working on getting some resources together to meet people's emotional spiritual needs. Um, I was at a conference last week, actually in Phoenix, Arizona, and one of the sessions that I took was talking about the anxiety rate in the United States and how it has just skyrocketed in the last two years. Um, Because the truth of the matter is we have all been through a traumatic experience, not just once, just over and over and over. Um, And for people that didn't know where their next meal was going to come from, for people that that didn't know how they were going to find a job, how they were going to make that car payment, how they were going to make that mortgage payment, uh, if you've never lived in that situation in in your life, that's trauma. Um, And we recognize that. And what we want to do is we want to have services available or at least be able to build a network where we can connect people with those services. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people deal with things in different ways. We realized that um, AA would be something we'd also like to offer for people that that may have stumbled back into an old addiction. 
Um, we don't want to judge people. We want to love them. We want to help them. Right, right. Um, that's that's what God has called us to do. That's what Christ did. Yeah. And, and that's what we want to model and we want to live our life in that way. Yeah, I, I have a uh, psychologist friend who just kind of mentioned that, um, that where they're just really starting to see um, the full force now of, of, of a new pandemic. And that pandemic is the mental health, the well-being of people um, that, that has suffered so much because so we had the first wave of the actual disease, but now there's the long-term effects of, of social distancing, kids mm-hmm. um, being isolated and, and not connected with others. Um, even the, again, while the masks are, are there to help us with uh, the virus, but yet what it's done on the social connection with people and just a lot of mental health issues have, have come out of this whole pandemic. Well, and on a, on a personal note, I struggle with anxiety personally. Um, it's something that I've struggled with all my life. And during the pandemic, it got worse. Yeah. Um, there was about a six weeks period where I had a really hard time leaving my house. Yeah. Um, you know, and I had, I had things to do. I, I was blessed. I had a job through the whole thing. Um, but the anxiety was, was just overwhelming. And again, because I went through that period in college where I was able to make my faith my own, um, I knew that I had that rock to plant my feet on. Yeah. But, you know, the, the end goal is that, is that the world would know that that's the rock that we can plant our feet yeah. on, that Christ is the rock, that he is our firm foundation and yeah. he doesn't move. But when you're in the midst of, of a world that we were living in, that we are living in now, it's, it's hard even as, as the most faithful Christian just to have that, that faith like a mustard seed. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like the center of faith is really you are living as the hands and the feet and the listening ear and the voice of Jesus uh, to your community at their point of need, which is a great ministry. Uh, Becky, let me um, ask you this. So so we may have some people who are listening and viewing this podcast and, and they're, they're inspired by your story. Um, but but they're they're thinking about how can they meet the needs in their community, um, whether it's through their church or maybe in an individual uh, initiative. What advice would you offer them as as God's kind of stirring in their heart to to step out in faith like you did? Um, I would say first and foremost, ask questions. Um, this is definitely not a silver bullet. This is definitely not something that's going to work in every community. Um, what what we have come up with works for now. It works in, you know, February of, of 2022 at Redeemer Lutheran Church in North Chesterfield, Virginia. That is not to say that it's never going to change. We right. have to be fluid. Um, so if there's one thing I've learned, it's don't just go in and, and give your community what you think that they need. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. Um, they will tell you what they need. They will tell you how to help. Um, and if yeah, God's it- calling you to that, that's that's what you need to listen to, and that's where you need to go. Yeah, I, I've 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 heard that is is you know if if you're doing ministry with the community, you're going to listen, you're going to observe, you're going to get the feedback, so that you're really meeting. If you if you just do it too, and you got this preconceived idea, um, it may hit, but it also you may be completely off the mark, and that's why you've got to be um, in partnership with your community if you're really going to have that kind of community impact. Well, and it's also about posturing. Um, so, you know, if, if you walk in and you go, oh, well, I'm from the church. I know what you need. I'm here to save you exactly, and help you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. People aren't going to listen to you. There's going to be no integrity. There's going to be no credibility. 
Um, and and you're never going to really get anywhere. It's going alongside. It's the difference between, you know, putting your hand out to help someone up and putting your hand out to hold it and walk beside them. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all created in the image of God. So that means that I can, I can learn something from everyone. I'm never going to look into the eyes of someone that Jesus didn't die to save and love. Um, so there's, there's, there's something in everyone that we need to learn from. So yeah. definitely ask those questions and posture yourself to go alongside people instead of just coming in and trying to, to lord over them. Yeah, yeah. Any any other advice you might give? Um, the, the biggest thing I would say is that you just remember that people are people and people are not projects. Ah, uh, yes. Um, you know, you can build a plan and you can predict how a project is going to kind of, you know, how it's going to come out. These are people. Yeah. Um, it's messy. There have been nights that I have stayed up half the night praying or talking to someone or reading, trying to figure out what on earth I can do. How can I equip myself? Um, talking to volunteers, you know, your your volunteers are just as important as the people that you're yeah. you're ministering to. Um, but yeah, remember, always remember that people are people and they're not projects. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, such a key point because um, if somebody feels like you're just uh, they're just an agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're not going to open their life to you. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like thanks, but no thanks. And and people can sniff out and if they're an agenda uh, a long way away. But but if you actually go in and say this is somebody that God has created, this is somebody that Jesus has died for. Um, they they are valuable. They have dignity and worth. And I'm not any greater, but I'm here just to you know. I always love how Martin Luther one time that said you know in the sharing the gospel, it's it's basically like one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. And I think we've got to see ourselves as a beggar in need of of all that Jesus has first, and that's going to give us the right posture to be able to love and serve in the way that He absolutely. calls us to. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, for for any of our listening and viewing audience, if they want to help support the work of the Center of Faith and what you're doing there in the city of Richmond. How can they get a hold of you and how can they help? Um, so the the best way to get a hold of me is through my email. It's bwade at redeemerric.org. Um, and right now the best way to help us is either a financial contribution um, or if you email me, I can tell you what our specific food needs are. Um, but yeah, the, the financial contributions are, are huge and they go such a long, long way in, in helping. Um, and if, you know, if anyone is with an organization that wants to talk to us about partnering or anything like that, um, shoot me an email. I would love to talk to you. Um, if you just have questions about what we're doing or anything like that, please email me. I'm always around and, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah, obviously you have a love and passion. It comes out uh, just in how you communicate. So, uh, Becky, thank you so much for being here uh, in this Everyday Believer conversation for the Call to Be podcast. And I want to thank our uh, listening and viewing audience for joining us. I, I think this is a significant conversation because um, if, if we just go out in our communities, there is need all around us. And uh, I, I hope that today you're inspired by what uh, somebody who just feels the call of God to want to take all that they've received in Jesus and to love and serve others in very real and practical ways in their calling in life. Um, you know, uh, it, you can do that as well. And um, it, it's, I think the key is make sure you don't do it alone. Uh, make sure you find partnerships, whether it's in your church, find partnerships in your community, um, and, and that there are people who are ready. Uh, there are resources all around uh, to help you 
to find ways to meet the needs of your community. Um, thank you so much for, for viewing and listening today. Uh, we want to just encourage you a call to action. Uh, make sure not just to, to listen and view this podcast, but if you really felt blessed and, and you think that others would be blessed as well, make sure to share this podcast with them as well in your social media networks. Uh, also, too, we would uh, love to invite you to um, join us, subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel, the Call to Be uh, podcast YouTube channel. Uh, we have a Facebook group. Uh, join in on the conversation as well as being on Instagram. Um, also, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Malem and the Southeastern District, for their grants that have made this podcast uh, even possible with the uh, technology, the equipment that we have. And finally, uh, we just want to wish you uh, God's richest blessings, and we'll catch you next time for the Call to Be podcast. Take care, everybody.